All right, recording this the 10th of June, 616. Uh, what a coincidence. Uh, but yeah, me and Nolan are back on the pod. And uh, we're here to talk about a few things. First, you know, first thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the Knicks rumors. And, you know, I guess during this time, it's typical during this time, there are always some bullshit rumors about, you know, the Knicks are going to sign this guy to a long-term deal, this guy, trade for this guy. And this time it's Kelly Oubre and, and Dennis Schroeder. Nolan, how do you feel about those additions to the team? Um, as far as do I feel like, how do I think they'd actually fit on the team or, yeah, or like rumors themselves? Yeah. Just everything about them. Like, do you like, would you want Leon Rose to spend money on those guys? You think those guys will like help us tremendously? Cause um, it's, it, it seems like it's 50, 50. Let me put in a little bit of context and the fact that I don't take these rumors all that seriously this yeah. early. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's people talking and, I think people like Kelly Oubre specifically, like, I think that's, I've seen people tweet this too. It's, like, it's not like this is my thought, but that like agents leak a lot of this stuff so that their players have opportunities to be like, oh, New York might be interested in Kelly Oubre. Look at all that cap space we have. We might have to pay him all this money, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, as far as fit goes, I want absolutely nothing to do with Kelly Oubre. Not even off the bench? <laughs> and not, a bench roll, like, I'm gonna, down. I don't think he's going to – I think he's going to command too much money for a bench roll. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. yeah but, I mean, there. then again, you can look at a team like in Atlanta who's paying Gallinari, like, absurd money, and you do need to pay depth, and we have the cap to spend. So if it was, like, on a shorter-term deal – I could see it maybe, like I said, as a bench player, but I wouldn't want to win my starting lineup at all. I mean, uh, Dennis Schroeder, I'm completely out on. I never really liked him, even in Atlanta when he was developing. I I never was a big fan. His three-point shot has, like, it's become league average, and everybody just thinks that he's, like, a good three-point shooter now, but it's just league average from when he was a terrible, terrible three-point shooter. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is him – playing with like probably the best spacing around the best players he's ever had in his career. Like I don't think that those, especially like his three point shooting percentage is going to translate over next year though. What do you think about uh, Ubre though? You never, I didn't hear your end of that. I mean, for a bench role, I'm completely in on it. Uh, Ubre is one of my, you know, He's one of my favorite players in the league. Not like just like his swag and the way he approaches him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely as a fan. And like one of my favorite things about him, like when, when he posterizes guys and he gives them like that flex, like uh-huh. yeah, that's one of the best in the league. Like right we now. We need a little bit of that. A little yeah, bit of yeah. That, like, on this team. Yeah, that would make the garden go crazy. But um, for him, like he's like you're right. I think he's probably demanding like a a big contract in a starting role. And I don't want, no, I don't want nothing about that. Him and RJ would not fit uh long-term. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That, that's how I see it pretty much. Yeah. And um, going back to Schroeder, just if he turned down 80 million, <laughs> like, I don't know if he's even going to get that now. Cause like he turned it down and he had a really bad playoffs, but even at 80 million, like even 60 million, I don't really, I mean, everything's contextual. Like, if you found a good deal for him on a one-year deal or something, sure. But I think he's <coughs> – excuse me. I think he's looking to really lock up a long-term 
bag this summer. I think he's really looking to cash in. For sure, because you got to think about it, right? He didn't get the bag from Atlanta. He didn't get the bag from OKC. He signed a short. He got traded. Did he sign a short term deal with the Lakers, or did he get traded over there? I want to say. I think that was. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure. I think it was a trade. I was thinking free agent initially, but I think it was a trade with OKC. Yeah, and and you know he had a pretty good regular season, but especially when uh eight like uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron, he kept them afloat in the West a little bit. Him and uh, Montrezl Harold and you know that group defensively, but uh yeah, just no, just absolutely no. And his attitude too when he came on the first day talking about I want to be the starting point guard, and I don't know what y'all talking about, but I'm a starting guard in this league, and I came off the bench in OKC, I ain't doing that, bro. Yeah, man. I mean like. Even this is like totally different because even when he was in Atlanta, like, I mean, he kind of basically pushed Jeff Teague out of town. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Teague was good. I was surprised they traded Jeff Teague and not Schroeder, honestly, back in the day, but neither of them ended up being good much longer. So, I mean, I guess if you're Atlanta from that perspective, you just take the youth and hope that he develops into like a higher upside than Jeff Teague. Cause I mean, he's really, I mean, they're around the same caliber player. I mean, not anymore, but yeah. No, no, time, no, not I'm anymore. <laughs> but I mean, at the time, like yeah. he's developed into what basically Jeff Teague was, maybe slightly better. But. And I think contracts had a lot to do with that too. Uh, Teague was looking mm-hmm. for a big payday, you know, after that, you know, Atlanta Hawks season they had with, you know, they won like 60 signing games that year, right? Yeah, yeah. That was one of their best regular season teams in these in like years. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, moving on from that nonsense the rumors uh <laughs> the awards you know the awards uh, a few guys got got awards uh mvp that Jokic guy mvp which is not surprising uh no, i saw that one coming yeah yeah for sure uh mb looked like he was gonna win it halfway through the season before he got hurt you know yeah, it, was, it was the injuries and the covid just just not enough games i think that and, and Jokic had a great year it would have been really close regardless but i think that Embiid's more of like a popular player in the nba and that that probably would have like pushed him over the edge a little bit more than someone from like a small market team like denver and it's surprised to see uh not surprised but you know steph got a few first place votes uh pretty much gave a light show the whole year right like from yeah. start to beginning it was the light show over there in the bay um as far as the order, you know, that came in, it was pretty much Jokic and beat Steph. Uh, I had the same order in my list. I don't know how you had them ranked. Um, yeah, probably pretty similar to there. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, defensive player of the year, uh, Rudy Gobert. Shout out, shout out to Rudy Gobert for winning three of them. But you know, you know, he has more than KG, Tim Duncan. That's uh, my only thing, man. It's like yeah. I get he's a great defender, and everybody's pointing to that one last second Marcus Morris like force up shot is like proof that he's a great defender on the perimeter as well and not that he's not a good defender but it just three years in a row man get some new blood in there like rotate it around a little bit he's not like LeBron James like head and heels above people like MVP every year every type of year or anything like that so I mean I don't know I I wanted um Simmons but yeah it's it's hard to argue against the season that Gobert's had as well I feel like Simmons got robbed two times in two times in a row, right? Yeah, I mean he's just so versatile on the defensive end. I mean it's a you know the classic thing he can guard like literally one through four, if not five, in like a small ball lineup. I think they, they even put um some of Ben on Collins in that uh, Sixers 
uh, yeah, yeah. Hawk series, which and, is really uh, interesting, but he's mostly been on Trey. And, you know, Gobert averaged 14, 13, and almost three blocks a game. Uh, to me, he's, a, he's one of the best team defenders of all time. But one-on-one, like, a lot of the big guys eat him up. You know, Embiid, uh, Anthony mm-hmm. Davis. Yeah, his lateral quickness isn't great. Yeah, but, you know, he's one of the best at defending the rim in the game. Team defender, he's able to switch. He's able, you know, to pick up guards on the perimeter a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. better than, than, you know, most of the bigs in the league. Ah, But, you know, for him to win it three times in a row, bro, like. That's my only thing. I have no problem with him winning the first two even. And then just the third year, I was just, I guess it's just me wanting like I said, the league to change things up a little bit, not just keep rewarding the same guys. And uh, Draymond, uh, he came in third place. Shout out to Draymond still showing that he could defend at an elite level. You know, uh, a lot of people thought like he was pretty much done. But, you know, I guess he still has some gas for the you know back end of the Warriors run. They seem to be gearing up for. I think so. He's still a good enough playmaker and a good enough defender. Like, he's never going to light up the stat sheet. But I think he has enough value to that team specifically. With all the different, like, all the traps they throw at Curry and they're going to throw at Clay. And whenever they double one of those two, they condition to Draymond to find the open man. And he's incredible at that. So I think, I don't think he's a player that would leave Golden State just because, unless it was for like another team, like with similar talent, like the Nets or something like that, just because I just don't think him alone is enough to like he couldn't lead a team especially at this point in his career you know what I mean it's not like he's putting the squad on his back he's just he's a really really high level defender and can run a decent bit of offense through him and that's extremely valuable to that the team with that that many shooters yeah for sure watch out for Golden State next year we said this many times on the pod mm-hmm. but yeah yeah for sure um, uh, sixth man of the year, uh, Clarkson pretty much ran away with this award. We pretty much knew him like two months into the season, it's his. Um, uh, 18, four and two. A uh, big part of the reason why Utah, you know, has been doing extremely well, especially this season. Uh, came in, shout out to the Utah uh, front office for you know picking him up last year in the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about Clarkson production this season? I mean, he's been great, he really has. Um, I'm not, I don't have his numbers right in front of me. Maybe obviously, you know, that like you said, like, how many points do you average a game? Uh, 18, four and two. Yeah. So, I mean, off the bench, that's pretty solid. And he's done it all season on a team that Utah that had what the best record in the league, right? Yeah, pretty much. So, I mean, I have nothing against him getting the award. And obviously, I'm a little biased into like the D Rose side of things. But when you have, the guy who came in second in six man of the year award, like I said, I think last pod on your bench too. I think that should have like been factored into it a little bit more. Just the fact that if your bench really is that good, then he's even less of a six man. Cause even when he's playing with the bench unit, he's still playing with like one of the deeper teams in the league. But I mean, you can't take away from the year he had. I'm not like upset that he won won the award or anything, but I would have liked to see Rose at least finish second. Just because of that. I thought Rose did finish second. Who finished second then? Um, what's his name from Utah? I thought Ingles? Yeah, didn't he? I don't think so, bro. I'm pretty sure that they're no no. I'm looking at it right now. Derek Rose went came second. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But you know, you know, it's crazy, right? Because Derrick Rose, he turned our season around. Not you know, turned our season around, but he definitely uh, lifted up the ceiling on what we could do this season. Oh, um, sure. Came off the bench, showed leadership right away. Um, definitely a piece that I want to bring back next year. Maybe uh, I don't I don't know if he could produce the same way he can next year because you know the mileage, the age, the injury, all that is gonna add up. But you know, just from a leadership standpoint, from a experience standpoint, uh, a lot of the young guys look up to him, and you know, it's just I think it's a no brainer. Give him the two year deal, one year, three, whatever, and a reasonable amount, and pay him and let him come off the bench next year. Yeah, I don't think there's any chance that. We let D Rose walk just because, I mean, the relationship he has with Tibbs, um, the love he's gotten in New York and just the role he's had. And like, if you can keep him to what we kept him for the regular season, you know, around like 26 minutes a game, instead of what we had to do in the playoffs, like 35 minutes a game, then I think he has like production that, he can bring that six man of the year production game in game out. As long as we have a better lead ball handler that he's not playing starters minutes off the bench. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, uh, most improved. We, we kind of already knew this for a while, but you know, we couldn't really speak on it. We had Brad, we had you no know, other stuff to talk about, but uh, mm. our guy Randall, man, I got Randall one ran away with the most improved award. Putting yeah, well up well deserved, man. Well deserved, man. Putting up 24, 10, and six, shooting 40% from three, which is I'm still shell shocked on how he shot 40% from three. Like, god damn, man. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever see that again <laughs> from yeah. Randall, but even if it takes a little dip down to like 37, like that's perfectly acceptable for the type of player he is. Bro, just league average would be fine for Randall. Like, that's an uh, honestly like from last year he shot like 28 percent from three. Oh, right? it was horrible last year I every time every time he put one up <laughs> i still do this year like, i Not- couldn't like, i had ptsd i couldn't get past it yeah at, at the beginning of the year i definitely had ptsd by by the time you know around all star break and the jump shot started to look legit i'm like yeah, yeah and then when i started going on like that nine game win streak i was like okay yeah <laughs> this is who he is they're all going in but up until then I was like, ah, I don't know, man. I don't know if you should take that. But he made him, so he proved me wrong. Uh, other guys who, you know, competed with Randall for this award, uh, Jerry and Grant, he had a, a big year Great statistically. Year. Yeah, statistically. Uh, one of those signings where you're like, you know, in the beginning of the year when uh, I was doing the pod by myself and uh, I had said that, you know, what is Detroit doing? Giving this guy, he's like a role player at best. Like, you know what I mean? He had great. Mm-hmm. He did he did great things with Denver, uh, playing off of Jamal Murray and Jokic, and they gave him $85 million. Yeah. And he stepped up to the plate. He definitely did. Definitely. I think did. that's one thing, too, because, like, part of the reason he always said that he didn't re-sign with, um, was it Denver, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the reason he didn't re-sign with Denver was because he wanted a bigger role in the offense, that he thought he could do more and that he wasn't being asked to do enough in yeah. Denver. And if you're – team like Detroit the reason you probably give him a contract like that is because well at the beginning of the year you had Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin and you're not really getting free agents to come there so if you see like some upside the kind of like Scott Perry saw like with Randall that you think that this player is just a few years like a late bloomer that's really going to develop which he's shown to be then I mean it's kind of like the risk you have to take when you're a small market team like Detroit that doesn't really bring in a lot 
another guy who was kind of pissed off uh, that he wasn't even on the list, man. Uh, Christian Wood. Shout out to Christian yeah, if Wood. If he didn't get hurt, he missed such a large chunk of the year. Yeah. And he was the favorite, I think, to start the year because he started – he was playing out of his mind. And yeah, he was balling. Like, especially like, when Harden was there. I mean, yeah. But – that's one. That was another great signing, him and uh, Jeremy Grant. I was surprised he wasn't on that ballot at all. You know, one thing that surprised me when we was talking to Cohen, he said that um, it's a good thing if Houston traded him for a first round pick. I don't know. I don't know about that. I really like Christian Wood's age, his skill set, his contract for his production. I don't know. Yeah, don't the know. contracts. The contract's the biggest reason I like it. I like him staying. But the contract is also part of what makes him like really, really valuable. Mm-hmm. If there's a team that like thinks maybe they're a stretch four away from like contending, he plays the five, bro, and, and he blocks shots too. He, he averages one point one one point five blocks a game. So I'm saying, like, if a team like the Celtics or if the uh, if the Mavs traded away KP. And they needed someone to come in like that. Like I think that could get like a decent haul in return for a player like that. Um, oh, Christian, but I mean, the Celtics. Still, shit, yeah, that's, that'd be that'd be scary, right? Yeah, yeah, with Tatum and Brown, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, coach of the year, our guy Tids, man. I didn't that think was, he was going to win the award. I really not, thought Monte was going to win. I think everybody really thought Monte was going to win just because, um, you know, the great year. But I mean. I guess kind of like to the points we've been trying. I mean, obviously we're Knicks fans. We're gonna high hard. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna root for our guy and think our guy should win. But I mean, there was valid arguments to make in terms of like the talent differential from our team to the Suns team and our expectations going versus the Suns expectations going this year. And like, yeah, the the Suns are doing great and they're doing great in the playoffs. But that even kind of like almost illuminates it. The reasoning I think behind picking Tibbs even more because you saw that our roster was exposed in a playoff series. You see what Atlanta's, I mean, not Atlanta, you see what they're doing though in the playoffs and the Suns, they're like, they look like a, I mean, they're stomping, uh, is it Denver right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're just killing Denver. And like Devin Booker is such an incredible player to watch. And Chris Paul was such a big addition Aiton was due to kind of make a little bit of a leap, and he has. And you don't get wrong, a lot of that's probably playing with a true point guard like Chris Ball. But um, I thought the craziest thing about that game was that not a single player for the Suns scored over, scored even twenty points. Yeah, yeah, that- it was just a complete team domination of a Denver team that's one of the deepest teams in the league. Like, yeah, they're down Jamal Murray, but I mean what Phoenix has been able to do going through the Lakers and now looking like they're going through Denver. It's awesome. And I, I really happy for Chris Paul to have finally have some postseason success. I think this will be his what first conference finals or no uh, second second. Yeah. And then he can maybe make it to the finals even because I mean, the West is wide open. Yeah, for sure. Um, going back to Tibbs, uh, mm. you know, when they was doing the coaching search, did you feel like, I don't know, who did you feel like you wanted? Because I was a big uh, component for bringing on Kenny Atkinson for what he did in Brooklyn. I, I was going to no say, draft picks. I think Atkinson was probably the coach that I wanted in terms of just like 
he showed that he could be a developmental coach and like get most out of what looked like a pretty, you know, average net squad for those few years, right? Especially with the guards, you know, his reputation mm-hmm. with guards. Dinwiddie turned uh, D'Angelo Russell back into like an actual NBA player. An all-star, shit. That's what I mean. And Karis uh, Lavert, you know, Karis big part of his development. And they had so many good players like that. And I thought he could do the same here. But I, I personally was a little more on the tip side of things just because in my head, I couldn't, I love those old Bulls teams with Derrick Rose. And I just kept seeing Jimmy. I kept thinking of Jimmy Butler, RJ comps all summer. And I thought the fact that Tibbs, like a lot of people were saying Tibbs is the coach you hire for like, you know, a built team already. And I thought that he had, I mean, he had the youngest MVP in league history. Like he developed Jimmy Butler, who was like, either late first or second round pick right and i mean like for you to be able to do that with players like that shows me enough that you can get the most out of the current roster while currently developing your talent and i think that kenny atkinson might be more of like a developmental stopgap kind of like you saw like the reason why Brooklyn got rid of him is that yeah he was great and he built the stuff here and now we're going to bring in the real coach for when we get ever real players you know what I mean so like I don't know I I just like the fact that Tibbs had some postseason success and developmental stuff because then I mean then that just it just adds to the value of your coach and you're not like stuck in a box after a few, three four year window I mean don't get me wrong Tibbs can wear down and like his voice can get really tired in that locker room. He really grinds his players is what we hear all the time. But from everything we've heard so far from a stint here, it really sounds like he's learned from that. Randall says yeah. he's a softy. I mean, they hardly even practice. Uh, you see him smiling more. I think you've ever seen him smile throughout his career. So, I mean, I, I couldn't be happier for Tibbs to win his second. I think he's one of only like four coaches to ever win it twice. So, oh, I mean, I, I just think that if he, if he didn't win this year and the Sun and Monty Williams won, I wouldn't have been upset. But I'm just, I'm happy that New York got that and how well they've been represented in the awards so far. Yeah, you know, uh, when Tiz first got hired, I was a little uh, wary just based on the fact that what happened, you know, with Minnesota, you know, Minnesota was a little bit of a younger team and he didn't have, you know, the initial success. You got to remember, you know, when they had, they had that bad season, then they had drafted Chris Dunn and then uh, they had another bad season. And then that's when they decided, all right, we got to get some veterans in here and uh, Jimmy Butler and all that. And I was looking at that. I'm like, if the Knicks are going to be a rebuilding team and, you know, the last stop he had, you know, he didn't really, do all that good with a you know a younger team i don't i, I didn't know how that was going to mm-hmm. shape up and um the way you know you know his toughness and you know the no bullshit and uh, just yeah. the integrity of the game that he wants his players to have it, it doesn't really rub off he doesn't really rub on players as it should like it did back in the day with with the younger generation now and that's one of the things that uh i was a little wary of but he did uh learn his lesson in those two stops um 
Man, he's pretty much he broke my expectations. He definitely did. Oh, everybody's expectations. Yeah, nobody he definitely did. Uh, I was a bit. I really wanted Kenny Atkinson, man. I can't lie. Like, I you know I would have been. I was happy with Kenny Atkinson. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I was driving that bus, bro. Like, I really <laughs> wanted him, and I really wanted him. I, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, yeah, I feel uh, you. Uh, moving on to the playoffs, right? It's time to talk about the playoffs. Wait, one last thing before we get just did they announce executive of the year award yet? Not yet, not yet. They probably I, gonna announce it next time we record an episode. I I I would not be surprised to see Leon Rose win that. Yeah, just almost based on the Derrick Rose trade alone. And just like the just the progression and you know, just everything about the squad and you yeah, know the hiring the, tips, yeah. the draft pick of like quickly, Obi, what he did this year by bringing in tibs and the results payroll. Made. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think he's. I'd be pretty surprised if he doesn't win. And I'm super interested to see what he does with the Knicks this all season. Like I can't uh, wait, bro. It's gonna like, be an interesting two, three years of off seasons for the Knicks, depending yeah. on what happens and if like what star demands a trade because there's just so many options right now. Yeah, man. Uh, Leron Rose. Uh, yeah, he's definitely. If we're gonna pick the executive before you know it gets announced, I'm definitely. My pick is definitely Leon Rose. Maybe I'm a little bit biased, but give my yeah. brother, give my brother the award, man. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. So uh, the playoffs. Uh, you know the Bucks and the Nets. Uh, they faced off in the semis. Uh, yo, the Nets pretty much blew them out the first two games. Uh, KD yeah. averaging thirty-seven and four, shooting 50 percent from three. Uh, 55% from the field overall. Kyrie sh- putting up 29, 5, and 5, shooting 40% from three, 47% all around. But check this out, Nolan, right? If you compare that to the duo, the all-star duo on the Bucks, uh, Middleton averaging 15 points, 9 and 2, shooting 23% from three. Him and 30, Drew, man. Yeah, man, 30% from the field goal range. Giannis is having a good statistic uh series but he's shooting 25 percent from three and 20 20 percent from the free throw line against this next team without harder bro do they right. want to get swept like i'm even, losing my mind they don't even like it's not like the nets have a great defense you know what i mean yeah they're and not I even bro like <sighs> go ahead go ahead before go ahead, go <laughs> ahead. i saw that i saw this tweet though and it was just it's this guy kevin pelton uh, i don't really know much about him but he said worst point differential through, through through two games by eventual series winners in a best of seven series since 1984. And there's the 2016 Cleveland over Golden State that was minus 48. There was 1995 Houston Rockets over Phoenix that were minus 46. And there was minus 41 for 2016 Portland over the Lakers or the Clippers. And right now, the Bucks are minus 47, so that would be second all time. And the wow, Nuggets are wow. minus 42, which would be third. Man. It's just insane that these two teams that had such good regular seasons are just don't even look competitive. Man, and it's so disappointing because the way the Bucks came out against the Heat and they pretty much just pummeled them, and it was like, all right, this is the t- all right. This is, if anybody's gonna beat them in the East, it's gonna be this squad. They, yeah. they don't have no answer for Giannis, but Blake Griffin has been playing terrific defense. Uh, definitely, Steve Nash hasn't had to go to DeAndre Jordan. You know, he's fine with the rotation of of Blake and Claxton. Um, 
the role players, you know, Mike Evans, not Mike Evans. I'm thinking about the wide receiver, Mike James, right? The, the, the little point guard. I think it's his name. Whoever he is, Mike James, Mike Evans, whoever you are, <laughs> bro, you're nice, and, and you and and he play and you, he plays a wonderful role off the bench, complimenting uh KD oh, and Kyrie. They just haven't had an answer for them, like just offensively, and you know if you cannot shoot that bad against that type of team, especially without Harden, it doesn't even look like Harden's gonna play this series. It, it, Why would you even risk it at this point? Yeah, you're up two yeah. zero, and it hasn't even been close. Like, I mean, you play one or two more games and say they win. If worst case, they win two of them. I'd still feel better with Harden coming back then than rushing them back now when you're already up 2-0 because I think they've shown enough that they can finish the series off without them and let them get back to 100% for the next round. And when we get off this pod, the game is going to start. Like, how do you feel the series is going to go? Like, how do you feel like the Bucks are going to come back these two games on the road, how, how do you feel, man? Because it's either going to go two ways. Either the Bucks are going to fight or they're going to get swept. <laughs> yeah, I think tonight's a really, really important night for Giannis' legacy because, I mean, he signed on with Milwaukee for a long time and they don't have a lot of roster flexibility. This is going to be their core moving forward unless they pull off some trades, which, I mean, in the NBA, anything's possible nowadays. But I don't see them winning tonight. I don't. See, I see them going down 3-0. Maybe they get one more, but I see a gentleman's sweep coming from Brooklyn. They just look unstoppable. What yeah, are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I got the same conclusion watching the first two games. Like, I don't see them winning this game. Maybe they win game four, but I do not see them winning game three, and they just beat them in Brooklyn in game five. Uh, I think um, just the firepower – it's amazing to watch and it's just too much bro like it's too just much. it's just too much and then uh you know it's going to be interesting because you know when they do advance from the bucks and they hopefully they get to see the sixers man that's going to be a series because you know philly has the reputation with the defense style ben it's going to be interesting to see it's going to be interesting to see yeah uh, it's worth monitoring i mean right now Joel looks great but if this Hawks team pushes them to seven games or six games and Brooklyn sweeps them and has time to get hard and healthy, I mean, it's going to be – I mean, Joel Embiid looks like he's playing with, like, minor discomfort right now, like hardly noticeable. But yeah. you never know. I mean, these playoff games are intense, and he's playing pretty heavy minutes. So the longer that – Atlanta keeps this series alive, and the more minutes Joel has to play, I think that can only benefit the Nets as we head moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Like our 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 finals pick in the East is just cruising, just cruising. Not so much in the West, but our our East <laughs> pick is cruising. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So moving on to the other series in the East, uh, the Hawks and uh, and Philly. Embiid has been nuclear. I think on the last pod before Brad uh, came on, I, I was, I think I overreacted to the meniscus tear, bro. Like, he's, yeah, I think we all did a little bit. Yeah, he's been nuclear, uh, like down mm-hmm. low. Uh, Capella can't can't hold him. It's it's actually really really beautiful to watch because he was oh, talking shit, and, and it's like, oh, Embiid, bro, 
bully him down low, bro. Come on. Yeah, put him, bring him back down to earth for a minute. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and, like, you know, you see Capella, like, usually, you know, when teams, because not every team has somebody as dominant as Joel Embiid, and Capella's dominance over the rebounds not being, you know, shown this series has been, you know, a joy to see. Honestly, it has been. Um, ben Simmons and, uh, you know, in game one, uh, I guess Doc Rivers felt like Danny Green was his best option to defending Trey Young, and Trey Young pretty much carved him out for three quarters. And yeah. uh, Doc Rivers decided to go to Ben and Thibault in game two, and Trey Young uh, impact has not as significant as it was in game one. I think Thibault and Simmons, uh, the partnership in guarding him has been real effective. Uh, yeah. Also, the three-point shooting from Steph Curry, you know, has been very crucial. What's your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, touching on what you said about Ben and Thibault guarding Trey more, I think, like, kind of like I said, is just, a lot of that was the way that he Trey's able to draw fouls, especially against like a bigger defender like that. I think that was the reason Doc didn't go straight towards that because he don't want to get Ben Simmons in foul trouble in the first three minutes, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the game. Yeah. But um, to Ben's credit, and I've always, like I said, I thought he should have won defensive player of the year, maybe if not two years in a row, at least one of these years. I but, wonder how he feels. Like, I would like to put a microphone, like interview him. Like, bro, how do you feel? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, dude, he's, he's a dog, man. I mean, he just, he's too physically imposing for Trey to dominate this series like he did it against us and you're seeing some coaching adjustments they're definitely uh, attacking trey a little more than we did but again they have better personnel to do that as well so i mean i think that the series is gonna i think philly has it kind of figured out a little bit now I kept thinking that last game too though and atlanta kept hitting shots and (laughs) it stayed in the game for the most part so, I mean, I, I still think Philly wins in five or six. Definitely, definitely. I, I do think Philly finishes in six. Um, but hopefully Atlanta could put up a fight. Atlanta is definitely an entertaining team. Like, you know, all those yeah. shooters they have. Uh, Gallo played really well in game two. Um, you know, Bogdan, I had texted you. I'm like, yo, this dude hits nothing but big shots. Like, this dude is a big shot maker, taker, whatever, bro. Oh, like, yeah. Really dope signing. Definitely worth every penny, like you said, uh, mm-hmm. Nolan. Definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, moving on to the West, uh, the Suns and Nuggets. I know your boy Devin Booker has just been, you know, playing extremely well in these playoffs. Um, oh. like, yeah, and like you said in game two, like it was an all-around assault <laughs> on the Nuggets. Uh-huh. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., my guy, I, I, he has back issues. Like, people need to get off him on Twitter. Like, I don't want to, like, I'm not... I don't like yeah. to tweet a lot, like, or whatever, like, arguing with people back and forth. Uh, but they need to leave my guy alone. Like, he has back problems, and he's playing yeah, there. He's not a great wheel. defender, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, they do need his offensive uh, – they, they, they do need his offensive powers. Uh, Will Barton made an appearance last game, gave him a little bit of a spark, but he can't really do too much off of an injury. Um, Leokic – like, shout out to Aiden, man. Like Aiden been playing pretty well defense uh, on Jokic, minimizing his impact. Yeah, and even yeah. after game two, he got in foul trouble early. He got two quick fouls, and he came back and played like perfect defense 
like without fouling for the rest of the, I think he finished the game with two fouls. Like, yeah, that's, that's a big step for a player like that. I mean, you see the troubles Mitch has staying out of foul trouble. I mean, just bigger players like that are just going to draw more fouls. It's just the way the game goes sometimes. For sure. I definitely thought that was a turning point in the game when Aiden got those two quick fouls, but then, you know, Sarge came in and yeah, yeah they, 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 they were able down, to keep man. together. They held it down. Yeah. That Suns team is looking kind of scary. If Chris Paul's like shoulder is going to be okay. Oh, I'm rooting for them out of the West now. I mean, I don't really? know if they actually do it. That's who I'm rooting for, though. So you're just leaving the Clippers bandwagon. Okay. All right. I, I, it's all right. <laughs> I, I'll steer this shit by myself. I, I'll no, take no. It. I, I, the, still, the Clippers are still my pick. <laughs> I don't think the Suns are going to do it, but they're looking damn good right now. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. No. But I mean, yeah, Jay Crowder playing, you know, definitely – one of the best you know he's he's been one of the best defenders throughout the years especially in the playoffs he's been uh, one of the biggest losses i think for the heat yeah this year yeah yeah definitely you definitely see that impact that toughness that they don't have mm-hmm. uh cam and mikhail we always talk about them they, they've been playing well you know your guy from Pitt has been shooting mm-hmm. the ball well uh mikhail has been playing great defense on the wing and you know his shooting, his shooting, his defensive ability, it complements Devin Booker and Chris Paul so well. Uh, very uh, dope piece to have and a dope piece to, you know, continue on what they're doing. Uh, for, how do you feel? Do you think the Suns sweep them? That's how, that's how it felt like last night. I don't know. But, you know, playing in Denver is a whole different conversation. Uh, you know, Denver role players are notorious for playing extremely well at home. Uh, how, how do you feel, man? Uh, I, I don't think they're going to sweep them. I don't, I think Denver is going to bounce back and win at least one of these two at home. But I think Jokic looks worn out from carrying the load with Murray yeah. being gone and that this Suns team just, they're just firing on all cylinders at like the absolute perfect time and just Compazzo was you know he's not he's a guard who wasn't even in the NBA he's a 30 year old rookie and they're putting him out there <laughs> yeah I didn't expect things from him. yeah it's, it's a tough that's a tough draw for that dude and he's had a great season you know but I mean you see it you know players like that do get exposed in the playoffs it just happens and um you know I think it like this series uh tells me a lot about Portland and uh like yeah they gotta be feeling awful yeah yeah and in Miami yeah, like I I wonder how that feels when you get swept by a team that's extremely str- like, like struggling extremely in the next round, and it's know. almost like you know I guess they had batteries for us, but not you know I I don't know I don't know, but yeah, that, it's I, I think that Portland roster is really flawed, and they have a lot of talent that can like cover up for a lot of that, but that the overall depth and like construction of that roster really needs a lot of work. And I don't know if they're going to be able to get there with that core that they have, which pains me to say, cause I really like Dame. I like CJ. I like Mello. I like Norm Powell, but. All great offensive players, but at best average defenders. Cantor, yeah, I mean, you got you know. Cantor playing any center minutes is never a good thing. <laughs> so, I mean, yo, every time I know every time Jokic sees the Cantor on the other side of the court, oh, his eyes his chops, bro. Man, like, bro, like, there's no way in him and Embiid, like, two of the sk- most skilled big men. I know when they see him, it's just like, bro, like, I'm gonna put a 50, like, easy, like, 
I don't know if you remember. I think it was uh, two years ago or three. I don't remember when Randall had that forty-five bomb on the Pelicans, though. And um, you know, him and Cannon were going back and forth on Twitter, and Randall was just like, "Bro, come on, I dropped forty-five on you. Like, what are you talking about?" Right. right yeah. That, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna block it, dude? Damn. Yeah, for sure. Um, that next series that you know, one of the best series to me in the playoffs. Uh, Clippers in Utah, cannot wait for the game tonight. Uh, game one, 45 for Mitchell, just looked really unstoppable in the second half of that game. Uh, he was mic'd yeah. up, and he, like he said, uh, which is interesting, he said, you know, these guys just played a game seven two days ago. We keep on pushing. We keep on pressing. These yeah, guys are going to give up. Yeah. Yeah, which was, which is, which was correct. Yeah, um, that's great leadership on his part, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I was a little bit, uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't really behind Utah coming into the playoffs, but showing, seeing their performance against Memphis, seeing their performance last uh, two nights ago against the Clippers showed me like, okay, these guys have a chance, better, has a chance than any, as anybody in the West. I don't know if they're better than the Nets, if they do see each other in the finals. I, I think the Nets pretty much destroy them. But as yeah. far as like their opponents in the West, they can match up with anybody. And uh, shout out to, you know, Clarkson coming on the bench and giving them big minutes, you know, earning that sixth man of the year. Ingles playing defense on uh, Paul George. And where's Paul George at, Nolan? Oh. Uh, I don't know what to tell you there, man. Hey, I, you were, yeah, I, I saw you tweet things, man. I yeah. see you tweet, man. I love Paul George, and it just he just looks rattled, man. Just, yeah, looks all mental to me. The last you play. Saw, you saw he made that one late three, and I was like, okay, this is going to be the game. Paul George finally shuts some people up. Then he gets it to potentially win the game, retire the game, whatever it was, and – he almost throws it away. Kawhi barely grabbed it by the tip of his like five feet hands and ends up passing it to Morris, who's swarmed instantly and has to toss up some dumb shot. Like he panicked. And the play before that, he had a wide open three and he didn't right. take it. Like, right. like the play before that, off a rebound, he had he had an opportunity to tie the game. Um you know, he has he had uh, some no-shows in Utah, especially. Remember um, Donovan Mitchell's rookie season? He, he kicked them out the playoffs. Him and Melo. Remember that when they came mm. to OKC? Uh, he's, he's had a couple of no-shows in Utah. Uh, don't know. I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Because Kawhi really needs him. Like I, I told you, bro, like he doesn't need a lot from Paul George. All he needs is Paul George to give him a quarter here, uh, a half a quarter here, a few yeah, minutes just here. Spell him for a little bit, man. Get yeah. a man break. <laughs> like, come on. Then you want, and then you want Kawhi to defend the best player on the other team. Then you want him to go 48 minutes against uh, Mitchell on the other side of the court. After you just got out of a, a what, seven a game, game series. series. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, Bro, oh man, I have to give Luke Kennard some, you know, some shine, man. Shout out to Luke Kennard, right? For showing hey, up in game two. Good for your boy. Man, he's <laughs> terrible on defense. Like they're literally oh, attacking yeah. him on defense. No, that's an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. Like every time they do the pick, like you know, the pick and roll, the switch for the matchup, and it's just like, damn, man. Like, uh, like they're attacking my boy. And you remember what you said, just like about how Utah has just as good a chance of any team in the West. I mean, it's kind of like what we were saying. Like, the West is really completely wide open. The one in the 
three seeds are down right now. Like, I mean, the four and the th- – I mean, the, the Clippers are a four seed, but they're not, like, your traditional four seed. You know, they're as talented as anybody. And the only reason I really even picked the Clippers, not because I don't think they're the best team, but they're the only team left standing that I think has a shot against Brooklyn. Yeah. And, and I don't want to see Brooklyn, like, sweep a finals or something like that. And it's funny. Uh, last pod before Brad, uh, I had talked shit on Reggie Jackson. <laughs> and uh, that has not uh, went well. That has not hey, went well. <laughs> hey, we both have had plenty of bad takes like that. So, I mean, <laughs> the people, people will just come back to bite us in the ass as soon as we say something. Oh, I think it's it's instant. Hopefully, yeah, man. Hey, hey, Middleton, if you're if you're listening to this before you lace up, bro, <laughs> please, please, man. When is I want to see an interesting series. I, I definitely need to. Yeah, yeah. I was really I was expecting a great series from the Heat and Bucks, and then that was awful. I was expecting a great series from Milwaukee and Brooklyn. But right now, it looks like it's awful. But I mean, no series is ever over till you lose at home. So, uh, one last thing before uh, we get off this, uh, I wanted to say like uh, Ty Lu, um. It's going to be interesting to see how much he uses Zubox, right? Do they play big or do they play small like they did against Dallas and that bot, like uh, KP and Boban uh, combo, right? It's going to be interesting to see because I think Ty Lu is one of the better uh, playoff tacticians. He's able, he's able to uh, adjust real good, uh, especially between games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he does it in game two. Uh, it, I'm definitely one thing I'm going to be uh, watching is Zubac's minutes to see how much he plays. Uh, Luke Kennard, because he hasn't went to Luke Kennard all playoffs. And, you know, I guess he sees use for him with his range. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how Tyler. It's going to be an interesting playoff matchup to watch just for the reasons you said. I mean, just how Ty Lu changes from game to game, just from game to game, half to half. I mean, it just. Utah, I mean, they're not – they didn't have the best record in the league for no reason. Yeah. And, I mean, the Clippers have their work cut out for them. I mean, you saw it game one, and I just think that the Clippers are still, like – you don't – Rondo's good. He's a good playmaker and everything, but you just need, like, something a little extra to get your offense going, get guys into rhythm for – Bro, it's Paul George. Like, it is. you talking about? It's I know, I know. That's who it should be, but it's not. So they don't have him. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. should be Paul George. That's what they signed Paul George or traded for Paul George for, and they're just not getting it right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know. And even if he does play well, this one game, game two. Like he needs to play well the whole series. Like he needs to oh, average. He needs to a chip, dude. Bro, he needs to average tw- like for Kawhi, but for him to be a viable running mate with Kawhi, he needs to average 27 in the playoffs, 26, 28. Like he needs to be like what Anthony Davis gave to LeBron, man, in the bubble. He he averaged 28, 13, like two blocks, just an unstoppable force, just making shots. Like like the Clippers, the other guys, they're decently making their shots. For role players, like they're doing their job. It's the only thing to me that's very eye-opening is the production from Paul George, you know, for sure. Yeah, or the lack thereof. Yeah, or the lack thereof, or the lack thereof. Uh, yeah, pretty much, yeah, that's going to be episode 16. Um, Make sure to check out our website. Nolan created the website. Should be uh, articles coming out fairly soon nolan yeah you can also listen to all our episodes on there we got 
literally all our episodes. You check us out on all the major platforms. And uh, follow us on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Follow the Corner Three Pod on Twitter. Follow Nolan on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. For you know, we tweet live during games and all that, you know, sweet stuff. Uh yeah. Yeah. All right, man. It was good talking to you. Yeah, for sure. Catch you next time, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir.